Blog Talk Radio.
Jesus. Praise the living God. What an opportunity it is. Great privilege it is for me to be with you again tonight. Or whenever you happen to be listening to Reaching Out Radio International, this is your Sister Pearl within the Word with Sister Pearl. And I'm greeting the great continents around this globe that Reaching Out Radio is heard. Uh, So many nations are being heard, but I'm just going to mention the continents tonight because I want to get right into the Word of God. And I want to greet you in the name that is high above every other name, the highest name, the name of Jesus. So I am greeting the great continent of Asia, Africa, North America, South America, Europe, and Australia, Oceania. So wherever you happen to be listening to or from in any of those continents, and in so many different nations in those continents, I want to just bless you in the name of Jesus. Know that you're blessed. Know that we at Reaching Out Radio International, we love you. Uh, we care about you. That's why we put these programs and these broadcasts together. We're really concerned that uh, you would know the love of Jesus and that you would not just know about the Lord Jesus, but that you would get to know the Lord Jesus. Such a wonderful, wonderful opportunity to know the Lord. What a great privilege to know Jesus. I'm going to ask you a question tonight. Have you ever received a gift but really had no idea just how valuable that gift was? Perhaps you didn't even understand the value until after you had time to spend with and explore that gift. This experience does not take place all the time. Okay, not every gift that we receive is so extremely valuable, but every once in a while we get something of real great worth. We're blessed with something, you and I. Um Uh, When we're blessed with something or someone that literally far exceeds our greatest expectations, um, it just takes our very breath away and in in a way of speaking, not that literally we will lose our breath, but it is so just wonderful that we just stand in awe and in, in, in just amazement of how wonderful that special gift is. Well, I want to tell you something tonight. Believe it or not, All of us, every man, every woman alive, we've all been blessed with such a precious and extraordinary gift. This gift far exceeds the best and greatest gift we've ever known in our entire lifetime. This special gift came wrapped up in very common clothing, and was born in a lowly manger, born in a stable with animals that I'm sure was stinky. And so many people fail to recognize the worth of this unparalleled blessing. 
The gift that far exceeds any other is the person of God's precious son, the Lord Jesus. And he is who I'm going to be talking about this evening. Unto us, a son is given. Now, I'm taking tonight's message from Isaiah, the ninth chapter, verses 6 and 7. For unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. And the government will be upon his shoulder. And his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Increase of his government in peace. There will be no end. Upon the throne of David and over his kingdom to order it and establish it with judgment and justice. From that time forward, even forever, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. But I especially want to focus in on that one phrase, unto us. A son is given. And we need to ask the Lord by the power of his Holy Spirit to show us, give us some kind of understanding of what this really, really means. What was the prophet Isaiah prophesying? What did he see about this precious Messiah that was to come? And be given to the world. Let's just pray. Heavenly Father, in the wonderful name of Jesus, I come. And we come, all of us that are gathered listening to this radio broadcast. Thank you for this opportunity. Thank you, Lord God, for reaching out Radio International, Evangelist Montel Fields, all of the hosts and the hostesses that come on this program week after week, month after month. Thank you for all of our listeners. And again, thank you for those that are listening from the great continent of Asia. God, with so much that's going on, especially we pray for the nation of China tonight as they've been battling uh, this whole situation with COVID and lockdowns. We pray your blessings upon them. We pray, oh God, that you would remember the people of China and not only China, but all of the nations, the many, many nations that are in Asia. And Father, also the the many, many, so many countries in the great continent of Africa. Thank you, Lord God, for the United States of America in North America. But also we remember Canada. We remember the part of Mexico that is on uh, the North American continent. We pray, God, that you remember these nations as well and all of the uh, wonderful nations in South America, the many nations in uh, the great continent of Europe, and also for Australia and Oceania all the countries that make up Oceania, Lord God. 
We pray that you will captivate the hearts of men and women, boys and girls, in every one of these nations, over 90 nations listening to this broadcast tonight or whenever they happen to tune in. Dear Heavenly Father, draw us to you, anoint your handmaiden, that the words that you've given me will make sense to those that listen. It will bring clarity. And not only clarity, it'll bring liberty and blessings and grace and healing and help to those that listen, Lord God. We pray these things. We pray that you would also uh, remove every spirit of distraction, every spirit uh, of tiredness, any hindering spirit, remove it in the name of Jesus. Anybody that wants to listen but somebody is, is troubling them or bothering them, make that stop right now in the name of Jesus so that everyone that wants to hear your word will have free access and will be able to hear We'll be able to understand, and we'll be able to apply it, Father. Do it that your name would be exalted, and that men and women would come to call you blessed and would give their lives in total submission to you, I pray in Jesus' name. So this evening, I would like to share another very famous scripture, which has been memorized by so many people around the world. Uh, begin to be taught and, and read the Bible. Many little children can even recite it. Can you guess what Bible verse I'm speaking about? If you guess the scripture verse found in the Gospel of John, chapter 3 and verse 16, give yourself a hand. You are correct. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Of course, I read that just now from the New International Version. We know that the King James says it a little bit differently, but the same meaning. God loves the world. And so if you, that I'm talking to you right now, where you are in your room, if you are in this world and you're alive, and you're listening to my voice, God has a special message for you. He loves you. He loves you. He cares for you. And he's given you an extremely extraordinary and special gift. So let us begin by once again looking at the heart and character of God the Father. And why? Simply because God is the one who gives us his son. We learn from the prophet Isaiah that this child to be born was for us. Remember what I read at the beginning? Unto us, from Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, unto us a child is born. This child that was born to the world more than over 2,000 years ago was no ordinary baby boy. Instead, he was God, dwelling in a human body. 
He was fully God and yet fully man. This baby would grow to be a man and bear the sins of the entire world and do what no other person could ever do or can ever do. Not only would he experience, I'm talking about Jesus, because Jesus is God's son, Jesus would experience and understand firsthand what it is to be human. Yet because he was also fully God, he never sinned. All of us who are born, except for the Lord Jesus, were, as the Bible teaches us, born in sin and shaped in iniquity. I'm going to read to you where I get that from, and it's from Psalm chapter 51 and verse 5. Surely I was sinful at birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me. Now, you and I, we are all descendants of Adam and Eve, who were depicted in the very first book of the Bible. Adam and Eve, they sinned against God, who is holy. And all the people that were born and came after them, their descendants, you, me, we were born sinners. And we're prone and accustomed to sinning. And you might say, no, Sister Pearl, I was not born a sinner. Maybe that was you, not me. Even as babies, once you and I begin to talk, I want you to think about it. One of the very first words we say after we learn how to say mama or papa or mommy, daddy, or whatever way that you affectionately, affectionately call your mother or father. Soon after we learn the word mama or papa, one of the next words, if not the very next word we learn to say is no. It is that rebellious, sinful nature, innate in us natural to us that causes us to want to oppose authority and give into our own way. I mean, if we're going to be honest, we've all seen this and we've all done this as babies, as toddlers. The moment we start talking, we want to flex our muscles. We want the, you know, to feel the power behind that of opposing authority. And we want to give in to our own way. Think about it. Your parents have some cookies, and they put them in a cookie jar in a place that you can reach them or someplace where you can climb up and reach them. But they told you, okay, I will give you cookies when I know you should be eating cookies. But apart from that, Though you see the cookie in the glass transparent cookie jar, you are not to take any of those cookies. And so immediately what usually do you and I think about as children? We think about how 
first of all, why is he or she telling us? Why is our mother or, or father telling us not to have this cookie that looks so good in that cookie jar? We were born in sin and shaped in iniquity. It's that rebellious, sinful nature, I repeat, that's inside of all of us. And it's natural in our sinful, fleshly temperament or characteristic to sinful is to want to oppose authority and, you know, give in to our own ways. Look, I want that cookie. So what do we usually do when mommy or daddy is not looking? Usually, we're going to go for that cookie. You better believe it. We know that we're defying authority. But what propels us to do that? It's that sinful nature that we're all born with, every last one of us. None of us except Jesus is exempt. Of course, a loving, caring, and smart parent will teach the baby who will grow to be a toddler and then a bigger child, eventually an adolescent, and then a teen. They become a teenager is that some things that we think to ourselves are so desirable are not really good for us. And some of those things that those um, children that are young think, you know, all this candy in the candy bag, all of this, the more candy that's in the candy bag that I can have access to is better for me. Of course, the, the loving, caring, knowledgeable parent will know that that's not a good thing, because if they eat too much candy, they can get sick. And God forbid if they eat the wrong candy that's poisoned, they can even lose their lives. So their parents know and understand life better than their children do, or at least in most cases. I have to, to put a qualification there because in my life I have met just a few, not many, but I've met a few children that look like they had more sense than their parents, and that's because their parents had rebelled against God for such a long, long time and had become habitually disobeying God that now they've become foolish. And so sometimes in those rare cases, even their children have more common sense than they do. But usually speaking, by and large, you know, It's the parents who can guide and teach their sons and their daughters what, you know, is the right thing. And this is where they have to trust their parents. Their parents know and understand life better than their children do. They've lived longer. They've experienced more, or at least in most cases. They can guide and teach their sons and daughters what is the right way to go about many aspects of our daily life. And what is wrong? What, what is not good for us? What is beneficial for us, healthy for us, and what is not? Isaiah the prophet continues in chapter 9 and verse 6 by stating that the government 
will be upon his shoulder. Well, let's quickly examine the word government. What does the word government really mean? Let's take a look at it. I, I looked up in the dictionary. The noun for govern, government is the exercise of political authority over the actions, affairs, etc., of a political unit, people, etc., as well as the performance of certain functions for this unit or body, the action of governing, political rule, and administration. So basically, it's talking about government. Whenever you talk about government, you're talking about a country, you're talking about a kingdom. Usually the word kingdom, when we say kingdom, it means that there is a king ruling over uh, the people, for instance, like um, the present king, even though he has not really been um, installed with the big coronation yet, but King Charles, because his mother, Queen Elizabeth, had recently passed on. And then, uh, you know, he's the king over that kingdom, the United Kingdom, the U.K., However, even the UK does not just rely on their king. They have a prime minister, and that prime minister is in charge of the nation. In America, we have a president, and then, of course, we have the governing bodies, the House of Representatives, the Congress, the, the, the senators. We have all of that good stuff, and then it goes on and on and down and down. But basically... What the word government is talking about, the exercise of political authority over the actions and affairs of the people that they govern. Who's governing you? So this is such an interesting clause right here. And the government will be upon his shoulders. Right now, this is referring to the lordship of Christ in and over the life of every obedient follower of Jesus Christ. Our lives and affairs that pertain to our lives do not need to remain on, on us. We don't have to bear the, you know, all the weight of what we deal in in our lives. Jesus wants to be Lord over our lives and over your life and over my life. And so when we read Isaiah chapter 9 and verse 6, and the government will be upon his shoulder. Now, obviously, right now, we're not talking about him ruling an earthly government. Obviously not, because... We have rulers and we have presidents and prime ministers and all kinds of politicians with different titles officiating and supposedly, you know, doing what is right for the people. But going back to Jesus, because that's what we're talking about here when it says, 
Um, for unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder. We're talking about the Lord Jesus. Because Jesus is the son of the living God. And Jesus was that child that was born. The time that Isaiah spoke those words, he was not yet born. He had not yet come to earth. The son has always been with the father, even before he put on a human body and came into the earth. But... He came to be born to this earth for a time. And this is what Isaiah the prophet is talking about. For unto us a child is born. He was prophesying what would come to pass. And certainly everything that he prophesied has come to pass. Unto us a child is born. That child was the Lord Jesus, the baby Jesus, when he was a little baby. And unto us a son is given. So the child that was born is for us. That's clear because that's what the word of God says. The child that was going to be born is for us. Again, I want to repeat something that I wrote just now. Our lives and the affairs of our lives need to remain on his shoulders and not ours. And the affairs that pertain to our our lives, I'm talking about to the ones who have placed their confidence and trust fully in the Lordship of Jesus Christ, fully in the Lord Jesus, then you're going to be okay. As long as you don't place your trust in a worldly government, but solidly on Christ's shoulders. In English, we have this idiom of, I will shoulder that, or so-and-so will shoulder that. It simply means that the individual or individuals are responsible for whatever is being referred to. As Christ followers, we need to allow Christ to shoulder, listen to me carefully now, the affairs of our lives. The affairs of our lives. Of course, we know that eventually God is going to be reigning and ruling and all of these earthly present governments will be passed away and gone. And let me be the first to say, thank almighty God. I am thrilled to look forward, to look forward to the time, to the day when God will establish his righteous rule and reign, not just in the invisible realm, but in the tangible physical realm. Let me read to you from Daniel chapter 2 and verse 44 so that you will understand what the Lord is talking about and the government will be upon my shoulders. And I'm telling you that this is going to happen literally in a future time. But right now, 
we should allow the Lord Jesus to shoulder, to bear the responsibility of the affairs that pertain to your life and mine. Let's read Daniel chapter 2, verse 44. In the time of those kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom that will never be destroyed. Nor will it be left to another people. It will crush all those kingdoms and bring them to an end. But it will itself endure forever. Now, this is exciting news. Please allow me to read that again. This is exciting. For those of you listening from around the world, no matter what the situation is in your country, in the nation where you're living in, where you're a part of, where you reside, where you're a citizen of, there is coming a day that the God of heaven will set up a kingdom that will never be destroyed. Do you understand? Nor will it be left to another people. Kingdom is going to crush all these earthly, worldly kingdoms that are existing today and bring them to an end, but it will itself endure forever, talking about the kingdom of God. Hallelujah. Also, we read in Zechariah, Zechariah chapter 14 and verse 9, and the Lord will be king over all the earth. In that day, the Lord will be the only one and his name, the only one. Wow, Pearl, what are you saying, Sister Pearl? Are you saying that all of these big shot people that are trying to make a new world order and that are trying to take over and that want to change the human genome and that want to make, you know, transhumans, are you telling me, Pearl, that one day we're going to look for them and they're going to be gone? Yes, that's exactly what I'm saying because I'm just reading from the word of God. This is not what's coming from Sister Pearl's mind. It's not what I made up. It's not what, you know, an idea that I came up with. No, it's the word of God. Zechariah chapter 14, verse 9. And the Lord will be king over all the earth. You remember all those continents that I spoke about and I, I greeted all of you from all the continents, including where I am right now, North America, all of those continents. God's going to be king over the whole earth. And in that day, Zechariah 14.9 says, the Lord will be the only one. Hey. And his name, the only one. So I just want to encourage you. You who have your faith and confidence in God. Yeah, we get a little bit upset. I do too. When I hear some of the news and I see these people strutting around, pretending like they're a God with a small G, of course, you know, that they're going to have the answer. They have the answer, they believe, for the whole world because they have billions of dollars. So they they have billions of dollars, and they think that 
they're going to be God. Some of them think that they are God. They're so deceived. They actually believe that they're a God unto themselves. And they hate with a complete hatred the only true and living God, the real God, the creator of heaven and earth. They cannot stand him. But I'm telling you, by the authority of God's word, I'm going to read this for the third time. It's just so good. And the Lord will be king over all the earth. In that day, the Lord will be the only one. And his name, the only one. So all these people that claim to have big names and big money and big, you know, power, God's going to bring them all to size, down to size. And they will soon know who the real God is. Until such a time, however, until such a time, you and I, we live in the understanding of Luke chapter 17, verses 20 and 21. Let me read it for you. Once on being asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, Jesus replied, the king, the coming of the kingdom of God is not something that can be observed. In other words, God's kingdom is not a physical kingdom that you can look at the kingdom and you can touch a building within that kingdom. Nor will people say, here it is or there it is. That's another way that you know all of these cults are so wrong. Like the one that's in China, and, and they're saying, look, Jesus came back as a woman. Come over here. Follow us. Don't believe that heresy. It is not true. It is not right. And Jesus has not yet returned. He has not come back a second time because believe me, when he does, the entire universe will know it. It will not be a secret. But for right now, until the Lord comes back, the kingdom that he was talking about is the kingdom of God that is in our midst. Jesus living by the Holy Spirit in you and in me, if we have confessed our sins and we have been cleansed by the blood of Jesus and his Holy Spirit has come to live inside of us. What I sense the Lord would really have us look at tonight is basically seek to know the huge gift that has been given to us in the Lord Jesus Christ as God's greatest present and gift to each and every one of us. You know, this is December. So it's a time that people that know about what Christ has done, even if they don't understand fully, but they have some kind of an understanding. They've heard about Christmas. They, you know, Christmas, let me just tell you, is not about Santa Claus. Okay, Christmas is not about 
uh, you know, a fat man wearing a red suit and, you know, having his reindeer and going into the sky and then dropping down gifts for the little boys and the little girls who were good. That's not what Christmas is about. The real sentiment behind Christmas is about Christ, the Christ child. And so that's why I read to you tonight from Isaiah chapter 9, verses 6 and 7. For unto us a child is born, and he would not remain a child, but unto us a son is given. And so at this time of December, when we especially celebrate Christmas and the gift that the Heavenly Father gave us in his only begotten son. Remember that? Remember that verse that I read to you earlier from John chapter 3, verse 16? And I said so many children, they even can quote it if they've ever gone to, you know, Bible class, Sunday school, you know, the teachers, the Bible teacher will teach us, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, his one and only son, the one that he had fellowship with from the very beginning, always. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Three persons, one God. And God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ, that whoever believes in him should should not and will not, shall not perish, but have eternal life. Now, what does that mean? It doesn't mean that you'll never see death, that your body will never, you know, perish, this physical body that you and I live in, that we're housed in. No, it's talking about Eternal life. Eternal life. I want to get back to this a little later on, but let me not get ahead of myself. Let's just go back to this. And unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. God already saw that you and I need a Savior. Our ancestors tried to worship God, tried to follow God, but always failed because they needed something bigger than themselves to be able to do the things that were pleasing to God. And that's why our ancestors always failed, never could really truly get it right, always falling down, always, you know, doing what God told them not to do, you know, sometimes doing the right thing, but often doing the wrong thing. And God knows that you and I as human beings, we don't have what it takes to fully please God. He loves us, okay? He loves every one of us, but he's not happy with what we do when what we do is sin against him. And so that's why. The father sent his son 
This son that Isaiah calls him wonderful, counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, hallelujah, prince of peace, glory to God. My goodness. And of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. When God, now listen, I told you about the two different aspects of this. I told you that right now, the only way that we can experience his government is to be under his lordship. Is to make sure that he's the king and he's the Lord over us. And that we are pertaining, we are living and a part, participating in his kingdom. Even now, before we get to be with Jesus in glory, even right now. I explained to you that as believing men and women of God, sons and daughters of God, that we need to stand down and let him govern over us. Wow, new concept for some of the people that's listening tonight. Brand new concept. Because we're so accustomed doing whatever we want to do. We do us. We do what we like. We go where we want to go. You know, we're with who we want to be with. We play with what we want to play with. We dance with who we want to dance with. We lie down with who we want to lie down with. But to those men and women that have come under the lordship of Jesus Christ, he governs our affairs. How you like that? He's the one in control. Why? Because his name, Glory to God. He can counsel like no one else can counsel us. My, my, my. And I am telling you this, your sister Pearl is telling you this from personal experience of years walking and communing with God. And this experience is not just for me. This is for every man, every woman, every boy, every girl that wants to come under the lordship of Jesus Christ. Isaiah said he's wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. Wow. Nobody can take care of you like God can take care of you. Do you lack peace? I mean, we've all experienced that. And even sometimes as believing saints of God, loving God, living for the Lord, serving God, honoring God, seeking to to, to be pleasing to God, sometimes the enemy of our soul tries to rob us of our peace and our joy. 
And that's where we have to go back, speak to our our spirits, uh, study the word of God, meditate on the word of God, quote the word of God, speak it into our own spirits. Remember our God, our Jesus, wonderful, full of wonder. He's a counselor. He's not a frail, weak God. He's a mighty God, meaning, you remember what we we talked about last week, and we mentioned a little bit of his character and some of his characteristics, omnipotent, omnipresent, omniscient, mighty God, knows what we're going through, sees what we're going through has the power to change what we're going through. Everlasting Father. He will always be Abba to us. He loves us. And he's the Prince of Peace. So when I lack peace or the enemy's trying to drain me of my peace or using other people that are, are not following the Lord wholeheartedly, and living wickedly, I turn to Jesus, who is the Prince of Peace. And then he fills me with his peace, calms me down right away. You know, the sad thing of it is to have such a great gift and not allow that gift to do what it was meant to do. Wow. And as I said earlier, and I repeat it again, the greatest gift that you and I can ever be given in this life, in the life to come, is the gift of Jesus, the one who saved us from our sins, the only one who could have done that because he's the only one that is righteous, the only one that is, uh, that, that is not guilty. I want you that are listening to this broadcast, whether live or on demand, I want you to make sure that you have this precious gift, God's greatest present and gift to any human on the planet. The gift of the Lord Jesus. In the New Testament, Paul the Apostle puts it like this. For the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life. In Christ Jesus, our Lord. Now, remember when we read John chapter 3, verse 16? For God so loved the world that he gave his only, his one and only son, whoever puts their faith and trust and confidence in him will have eternal life. Well, later, you know, actually earlier, not later, but earlier in that same chapter, Jesus taught a religious leader of the day, 
a Jewish religious leader called Nicodemus that you and I, in order to enter the kingdom of God, that we need to be born again. We're born the first time from our mom. But we, we need a second birth. We need to be born of the spirit of God. And I just want to spend a few minutes praying with some of you that have not yet made that decision to give your life to Jesus. Remember what we're talking about tonight. Unto us a son is given. Now, God's already given you his very best. He's given me his very best in the person of the Lord Jesus. But it's up to you, it's up to me to receive the gift. I can do everything that I possibly can. I can stand on my head, but I cannot make you receive the gift. It's up to you to be willing to see that you need a Savior, that you cannot shoulder the cares of this world But you should let Jesus do it. Too big for you. It's too much for you. It's overpowering. And that's why you got yourself in a lot of trouble. Some of you that are listening to my voice right now. Some of you are in deep waters because you've been trying to shoulder all the responsibility that you have for your life on your shoulders. But you're not God. Your shoulders were not meant to carry all that you have to deal with. But the Lord Jesus, his shoulders are just fit perfect fine, perfectly fine to shoulder whatever you're dealing with. But first let's deal with the sin issue. Because if you are, if you're not born again, if you're not born of the, of the spirit of God, you cannot enter the kingdom of God. And you might say, well, Sister Pearl, how do I become born again? The Bible says, let me read it for you. In Romans, if you have a Bible, you can look that up. Romans 10, verses 9 and 10. Let me read it for you. That if you confess with your mouth Jesus as Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart, a man believes or a woman believes, resulting in a right standing relationship with God. That's what righteousness means. And with the mouth, he confesses, resulting in salvation. Wow. Remember what I had read just prior to that? From Romans 3.23, for the wages of sin is death. When you and I sin against God, we deserve death. That's the penalty for sin. The gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Unto us, a son is given. That son is God's gift to us. Will you receive the free gift of salvation that only 
the Lord Jesus can give and offer. If that's you, will you repeat after me? I cannot save you, but Jesus is going to save you by the power of his Holy Spirit. What I can do is lead you in a prayer. And if what I'm saying is what you want to say from your heart, you just repeat after me. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, I come. I don't have that gift of salvation. But Lord, I want your gift so much. Please forgive me of all my sins. All the things that I've done to grieve your Holy Spirit, please forgive me of each and every one of them. I invite your Holy Spirit now to come and dwell in my heart, in my life. And you, Heavenly Father, give me the power, give me the strength from this moment on to say no to the devil and to say yes to God. Yes to you, Lord. Help me to take and receive this precious gift in the person of your son, the Lord Jesus, as mine. I belong to you from this moment on, and you belong to me. Help me to grow in my new faith with you, Lord Jesus. Bless me and make my life a continual blessing that others may come to know you as well. May the Lord bless you real good. My friends, in reaching out Radio International, I love you, but God loves you so much more. Until the next time, bye-bye.